This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me as always is the Tribune's Langston Newsom. How are you doing, Langston? Absolutely fantastic. Happy to be back here in the podcast studio. Where do you want to start this week, Langston? You know, I, I think the best way to start is kind of where we left off last week. The sky's not falling for Mizzou basketball. And over the last nine days, we've been able to see that, you know, the roster that we had last week after the mass exodus of transfers or um, athletes entering the transfer portal isn't going to be the same team that Missouri fans are going to see next season. Yeah, uh, the only addition to that, make, making up now half the scholarship roster from last season is now in the transfer portal. Uh, was Drew Bugs entered the transfer portal. Uh, didn't start a game for Missouri last year, but appeared in all 26. Thought he might have had a bigger role coming from Hawaii as a grad transfer, but I think Konzo preferred having either Drew Smith or Xavier Pinson as the primary ball handler. And we'll see what opportunities are out there for a Drew Bugs in the transfer portal. I, he, he'll get picked up. He's too consistent, too much of a you know just veteran presence not to. But I don't know. I don't know what value he brought to Missouri coming back another year. I don't think it made much sense. So him leaving kind of. You know, I don't know if he was to approach the coaching staff and say, hey, I want to come back. And they said no. Or I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that he didn't bring much value to my, next year's roster. I think if you're going to give a backup point guard minutes, it's better to be an Anton Brookshire or a younger guy. You know, maybe that could have been, could have been Torrance Watson's minutes and maybe they both weren't going to get him and they're both gone. I don't know. You know, just now that Missouri's so 75 percent of Missouri's roster is now gone because we don't expect Mitch Smith, Jeremiah Tillman or Drew Smith back. And the other six are in the portal. You know, you said that the sky is not falling, but where is your level of just concern for this roster next year? One to ten. That's a great question. I I would say concern for next year's roster is probably now out of four, uh, just with the pickups that Missouri has been able to to get in the last few days. Uh, just kind of to rank them off, we have Dijon Gordon, Amari Davis, and Jerron Coleman. Um, one picking up that point guard that Missouri knew it was going to need with the departure of Drew Smith and now Drew Bugs, and really just understanding that the portal can work in both ways you know you can have kids leave but there's also an influx of players literally over a thousand players who are looking for a new home and you've got to expect missouri a rebuilding division one power five program to have some type of sway and have some type of pool with a bunch of kids who are looking for a new opportunity for sure and as langston just mentioned uh missouri did pick up two commits uh, at least verbally one of them is signed the other one still has not uh with Deshwan gordon from Kansas State. It's spelled the Juan, but it's now it's Deshaun, apparently. And then they picked up someone who's been comparable kind of to Drew Smith in Jerron Boogie Coleman. I don't know if I'm saying his first name correctly, because in every single interview I found with Ball State or anyone talking about him so I could pronounce his name correctly, they were pronouncing him Boogie. So I have to get used to calling another grown man Boogie, I guess. Do you have any friends named Boogie? No, all I can think about is Boogie Cousins, who is a oh, DeMarcus, comically, DeMarcus, yeah, 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 yeah. comically large man to be calling Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, anybody who's playing basketball at the Division One or NBA level is probably too comically big to be calling anybody Boogie. Let's be real. Uh, so, yes, now with where the roster currently is set, Missouri is currently at 11 scholarship spots filled. It'll be interesting to see how the next two spots get filled or if they get filled 
Missouri, one of those two is absolutely going to have to be a big man. Someone over 6'8", someone who basically, unless you're planning on playing Jordan Wilmore and Yaya Keita 100% of the time at your traditional five spot, you need someone with experience there. And there are players in the portal. I think Minnesota's starting center from last year, after Rich Pitino got fired, is still in the transit portal. The guy from Creighton, Christian Bishop, who's from the Kansas City area, I think he's going to have more schools calling them Missouri. He's going to be tough to get, but that would be a good fit for Missouri. You know, there's other guys like that. What happens to that spot number 13, I think, is going to be even more interesting to see. Because I think one of the best routes for that spot is not filling it at all. I think that 13th spot with the guys you've already brought in, you basically have to be infatuated with that person to make for it to make sense. You're only going to play about, you know, eight, maybe nine guys who get legitimate minutes, you know, who get minutes that, you know, really are going to be something to hold on to and really, you know, make a tangible difference on this roster. So you're at 11 with a five-person freshman class. If you go the freshman route, this is, has to be a guy like a Tamar Bates who's still out there, who's a four borderline four or five-star guy. If it's not, maybe someone comes available mid-year. Maybe someone it just gives you a lot of flexibility to go to the junior college level or who's left over or something. And I, and I think that, that might be the best route. So it's either going to be someone undeniably great or I think you pulled off on that 13th spot. Yeah, and I agree with having that flexibility because if there's anything we've learned from the past few years in college basketball is that people will be available. People that are not available now will enter the transfer portal and people will be looking for a different opportunity. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, there's there's not really a rush to go ahead and plug someone that you don't love when someone that you could love will be available. Yeah, and so now just looking at kind of the makeup of the roster – you know, you have three, the three returners as of right now are Kobe Brown, Javon Pickett, and Jordan Wilmore. Then you add in just the slew of newcomers, five newcomers, and, and it looks like it's going to be at least four transfers. And so Missouri next year has gone from a team that I think a lot of fans trended would be maybe, maybe you know, bad or maybe, you know, not. I don't think they were ever going to be Kim Anderson bad, but we're definitely going to take a regression. Now, at least, I think there's at least a slight question mark. You know, they've they put themselves in a pretty good spot with these transfers. Have these been the big-name guys that are going to set the world on fire? No. But these are the type of guys that usually work more in the system. These are the type of guys that, you know, Kanzu can build up and really can make a difference at Missouri, like a Cassius Robertson, a Drew Smith. Those weren't big-name guys coming here, but Kanzu found a way to turn them into all-league players. I think a Boogie Coleman fits that well, role really well, as does an Amari Davis. I think a a Deshaun Gordon might need a little bit more development just because of that three-point percentage, but you know, I, I don't think these are bad moves for Conzo necessarily. I think if you look at the Kim Anderson era at Missouri and then you look at Coach Martin's era at Missouri, you have to take a step back and really think to yourself, outside of MPJ and Jonte Porter, who already had connections to Columbia, to the University of Missouri, what big-time names, high five-star names is Missouri getting? And the answer is none. So when you take a step back and you provide that type of context, you know, Missouri coming out in the transfer border and not grabbing these huge names should not be a surprise. These are not the players that Council Martin has consistently recruited and gotten. Now, I know he's gotten big names in the past, and but that is not where Missouri is right now. And I, I think the biggest difference between going into last year and then going into next year is just there was this sort of comfortability or 
that you know you were able to have just because there were so many advanced or excuse me experienced players on this team we're going to go into next year not knowing anything at all Kobe Brown got a ton of stars this year I believe he started every game but he doesn't have the same type of experience that a Drew Smith had last year or a Mark Smith had last night last year or even really a Mitchell Smith and so it's it's going to be entering next season with really no expectations in my mind just because I don't know what this team is going to look like yeah and I think that's why the 12 and 13 spots are going to be so crucial to this team if you look and see, you know, it's more just so just finding the right fit. You know, I don't think it's a failed year next year if they don't make the NCAA tournament. But the next two year will years overall will be a fail if they don't go in the next two years, maybe three. And so it's the goal of just consistently getting back to the tournament. And so it's just, you know, you run into a little bit of roster management issues if every couple of years you just have to kind of flush your roster and start over again. I think you take one year as a transition period to set yourself up where you know, you look like, I think the dream for Missouri is to look like what a Chris Beard Texas team looked like. You know, I'm not saying that's a potential here, but, you know, if you can do it in Lubbock, Texas, you can do it in Columbia, Missouri. Let's be real. You know, and you, where you have a couple players go every year, but you have that incoming talent and freshman class where you can capitalize on how recently good they've been to where it keeps on rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. And that just needs a little bit of patience from Conzo and the players and the administration and the public. And so it's not an easy thing to accomplish, but in terms of getting back to where Missouri needed to be. Conzo hasn't made every stride in his first four years here, but I think he's done more than his fair share. And so these roster additions are, I think, right at about the level Missouri can be happy with. You know, they haven't... And it's not like, you know, you're going to go into the transfer portal necessarily and find, you know, a Davion Mitchell. You know, there's, there, you know Brandon McKissick was kind of a swing and a miss, but getting the Boogie Coleman to replace him is not bad. You know, it, those swing and misses are going to happen because you're in Columbia, Missouri. You're not a blue blood. And you don't have the trendy, you know, way of doing things just because you haven't won an NCAA tournament game in 11 years, which is the biggest benefit where you can come and build something. But some kids don't want to get their hands dirty in that sense that they want to win now. And it's not like Missouri has the best pedigree to do that right now just because of their recent history. Yeah, the you know the measure of success for Coach Conzo was make the NCAA tournament this year, just based on the team and the returns they had. The measure of success that I have is do the freshmen grow this year, and the freshmen that get playing time grow, and do they all stay? And then you build some type of continuity on top of that, and have another recruiting class, and have those kids stay. I think that's a certain measure of what being a college basketball coach is now. It's keeping those recruits. It's one thing to get them signed, one thing to get them in the door, have them for a season. It's keeping them now. That's the most important thing if you want to build any type of continuity. I agree with you, and that's that's a good talking point for where we can come back out of the break. Uh, we our guests this week were Matt Michaels and Andy Humphrey of KTGR's Big Show. And I talked to them yesterday. Just it was kind of a fun conversation. Went a little all over the place, but you'd expect nothing less with Matt and Andy. So here is my conversation with the hosts of KTGR's Big Show. Joining me on this week's News Sports Podcast are the hosts of the Big Show on KTGR, Matt Michaels and Andy Humphrey. How are you guys doing? Uh, I am doing just great. I, I don't know if I can speak for Andy and his state of mind, I, today, but I presume it's fine. Slightly better, I think. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, who knows? Again, I can't speak for Matt either, so I'll just say that I'm doing better and, and just guess. I mean, that's a fair guess. I mean, 
Andy's the one with all the brains in the situation, so why wouldn't? With why more optimism for sure, so uh, we, we see how that goes every time. <laughs> Sounds good. It, 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 it's been, I don't maybe ever since I've had two guests at once, so I definitely wanted the opportunity to interview both you guys to be on this side of it as opposed to you guys talking to me, and thank you guys for having me on for the last two years since I've been on the Mizzou beat. So for those who don't know you, kind of give me the uh, quick Wikipedia page for both of you guys. Uh, well, uh, I have been, what, around this neck of the woods for the better part of 10, 12 years now. Went to Mizzou and graduated there from the journalism school, and now I cover the Tigers and talk about them on the radio, and I'm on the Tiger Radio Network doing some broadcasting. So uh, that's basically the long and short of me. There's not a whole lot of depth there. Like, I don't have a sorted backstory to share on the podcast today. But, you know, that that probably isn't good for the click, so I apologize in advance. Well, and and you'll be even more disappointed with me because I'm basically the same version of Matt except uh, just uh, two years maybe uh, shorter uh, as far as a career or maybe not. Uh, but uh, I've been here for a better part of two years uh, in Columbia. I also went to Mizzou, so I do know uh, you know covering uh, Mizzou for, for quite a while, uh, for most of the last decade. And so uh, I'm also uh, doing various things on KTGR and uh, also on 93.90 Eagle uh, for for news updates and uh, it's always fun to come back to a place where you learned a lot of the stuff that uh, you're putting into practice now. So that's uh, that's always a good comfort level, and that's what I wanted to do when I decided to move back. And now they pay us to cover sports and also occasionally try to discern the names of racehorses by their parents. That that that's that's, what we're that we are known for probably the best, and we have really cornered that market <laughs> uh, for. For the for the foreseeable future, until somebody tries to copy us. Uh, who's your favorite racehorse, then? Oh well, I mean, there's just so much in the world to go for, and and you get new ones every few years. Why don't I just go ahead and say I'm a man of war guy? I'll go all the way back, man of war. Wow, man of war forever. I'm gonna go with uh, title ready. That's my that's my favorite title horse. Ready? Title ready. Who, who is we, title? He popped ready? up a few times. Where did he pop up most recently? Or she? Oh, when's the last horse that we? When's the last race that we had that involved Title Ready as a, as I believe a sire uh, for one of the horses in the race? I can't recall exactly when Title Ready was, but you see them often. Like if you go back through any major thoroughbred racehorses lineage, and you see the letters A P or the suffix Indy, it all goes back to A P Indy, who won the Kentucky Derby like sometime in the nineties. And then a lot of them can trace their way back through Seattle Slough and Secretariat. It's crazy. It is a very, very small world full of people who deeply care about that sport. And a lot of other people don't. And so, you know, we get to surprise them by playing gags with it on the radio. Well, I can tell you, I, I do like horse racing. I uh, grew up near Pimlico, so that, that's one of the oh. crazy areas of the country for it. So uh, I did not expect to spend a majority of the time talking about horse racing. But I, Does that I, I make your favorite flower a black-eyed Susan? Uh, I guess it has to be then uh, instead of the run for the roses. I guess it would have to be a black eye season. I mean, yeah, and I I don't know what else it could be. Uh, I know Dusted that, in uh, Old Bay. Yes, I know the one time I went to the to the Preakness in 2015. I remember more about the music show I went to before with Childish Gambino and Armin Van Buren than the actual race. But that was that was the year of American Pharaoh winning the Triple Crown for the first time I think since Seattle's flu in '78. So I got to see that live. But anyway. the only 
the only real uh, memorable live horsing uh, or live horse race that that sticks out to me was when I actually saw uh, Victor Espinosa on a different horse. It wasn't American Pharaoh, but he, uh, I think about a year after American Pharaoh was was still racing, and uh, I think that's the only time that I really remember uh, watching a high profile race like that with high profile you know uh, horse jockeys, and so. Uh, I, I always think back to that, and I also think back to all of the crumpled tickets that I had that day. So that, that's always uh, a, a bit of a downer, but still fun to look back at. That's uh, Yeah, that's kind of a day at the racetrack. I don't know where the closest one to Columbia would be. I, I actually have zero idea where the closest horse racing track to Columbia would be. Do either one of you know that? Uh, I think you'd have to head east. I think if you head east and you cross a river, you get there. Okay. Well, I didn't know if there's like, one in St. Louis. But okay. getting back to now just Mizzou sports uh, in general, just what's kind of, I mean, beyond horse racing and, you know, just what, what's kind of the rundown of how you guys kind of handle the big show these days? Is it tackling the issue in sports or is there a, have to be Mizzou focus or how do you guys kind of develop that part of your show? Well, I, I would say that we focus first and foremost on what's going on at Mizzou. I mean, there's not anybody else really anywhere who's on every single day talking about what the ins and outs are in the uh, Tiger program. Everybody has their own thing that's happening on uh, maybe a more weekly basis, but we're out there every day, and if it's if it's a day where we haven't talked about the Tigers on the big show, it's like we haven't done our job. So we kind of take it from uh, having a holistic look at everything and build it out from there, and if it's a story going on somewhere else, I mean, we just talked about the National Championship basketball game, and the thing I wondered, and Andy and I talked about for a while, was does Mizzou have something to take away from it? And I think they do because Conzo Martin has shown already in this transfer portal period that he's going to go other places to find new players on his team. And guess what? It was just within the past three seasons that about four of Baylor's significant players were all playing somewhere else, whether it was Auburn or I think UT Arlington or UTSA was involved there, uh, Presbyterian. You have a guard coming over from the Blue Hose, for goodness sakes, and then they all come to Waco and make it happen. So if you want to take solace as a Missouri fan – in what happened in the national championship game, Scott Drew took a bunch of pieces that, yes, he developed himself, but also from other places, and then two or three years later, they won the whole doggone thing. So it can be done. It's definitely what they would want to build toward, and so we, we try and dive into that, and we try to dive into how uh, most of the events in college sports, maybe that don't involve Mizzou, can still have uh, a bit of a Mizzou angle, so we try to highlight that. We try to highlight some of the uh, Mizzou programs that don't get all of the uh, the spotlight most of the time. We try to talk to uh, various head coaches for some of the Olympic sports. We've uh, had uh, regular t- chats with uh, wrestling coach Brian Smith. We've had regular chats uh, with uh, Shannon Welker, the head coach of Mizzou Gymnastics. Uh, we're doing weekly chats with Larissa Anderson, uh, the Mizzou softball team. Baseball is always uh, a big part of our show, too, uh, with us uh, carrying the games. So, uh, yeah, like Matt said, if we're not putting uh, any sort of Mizzou in our show every day, it feels like uh, we're, we're not uh, uh, living up to our identity because uh, we're, we're the flagship. So we try and make sure that it's part of the show every day. Kind of the biggest name topic right now in the Mizzou world has to probably be the transfer portal, as you just said, with right before we recorded this on Wednesday, Drew Bugs going into the portal, but he was never expected back. How much of what you've seen transpire over the last 15 days of six players from, from last year's roster entering the portal, so exactly half of the scholarship roster, uh, 
did you see coming, and how much of a red flag has it put for either one of you in terms of what's going on with Tom's and Martin's program? You know, I, I won't really say that it's uh, a red flag of sorts because you, you have to take the wider view and see how many other programs uh, might be going through the exact same thing that Missouri's going through with all this roster turnover because of the new uh, rules and because of the way the NCAA is most likely going to let all of these transfers uh, play right away at a new school that they would like to go to. So uh, I think for Missouri's perspective, you kind of look at each individual player that's transferring and you don't really see it as hurting your bottom line uh, for the most part. You could maybe say the one transfer that uh, you would have wanted to have on your team next year would be Xavier Pinson, and that's the only concern that I think Conzo Martin will have to uh, worry about as far as making up the production that Pinson gave his team uh, the, follow, the, the previous year. Uh, but now that they have uh, a few transfers coming in, I feel like most of that production might be made up anyway, and Conzo Martin still has uh, a few more weeks and a couple more scholarship spots uh, to try and bring in maybe one or two other transfers uh, from somewhere else to try and build up uh, that roster again. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's not something uh, that, that you should be sounding the alarms about so much. Uh, you should at least wait to see what uh, Coach Martin can maybe bring in as far as replacements uh, for all these open roster spots that are coming from uh, the transfer portal. Yeah, you have to see what's coming first. When there are over a 1,000 players across the NCAA landscape who are in this portal looking for a place to play, and they get to do it next year at no penalty and be available right away, it's the modern game. People are going to look for what's next, what's new, and can I improve my position? And look no further than some quality programs with guys getting a lot of minutes. I think of Desi Sills as the perfect example. It's not like that guy was stapled to the bench at Arkansas, and yet he's in the transfer portal looking for a new place to go. You know, X Pinson's the same sort of way, although from people who have covered the program day in and day out, I think you could connect the dots across the season and understand that there might have been a parting of the ways of X Pinson in Missouri at the end of the year. But you have to wait to see how it shakes out before you make any sweeping conclusions. And you also have to see, in Missouri's case, they've got this huge freshman class coming in. We don't know exactly where they all slot in to Conzo Martin's system quite yet. He probably has a better idea than us. But he's probably building around that being a group that can take him, if not this next year, but the year after or after that, into the NCAA tournament again, and hopefully with a lot of success. So I think we just have to reserve judgment until the dust settles in what is an unusual year because COVID knocked everything out of whack. I'd agree with you there. It seems weird to say that, you know, just the talk of Eli Drinkwitz and the football program has kind of been on the back burner since, let's call it, you know, the new year, kind of right around New Year's is when it really transferred over to Conzo Martin and company, even with the bragging rights win all of that. Because you're still waiting for you know a bowl, a possible bowl, bowl, you know bowl game and all that. But just now that you know football is you know almost right around the corner again. But I get you know I guess you know games aren't until September. But what do you think are actually realistic expectations for a Tiger program in 2021? We're going to hear the phrase "closing the gap" 15 million more times from Drinkwitz and Company, you know, this season. But can they close that gap, or is this another year of? third to making it a strong and legitimate third or how do you guys kind of diagnose what could be in store for drink with in year two well this past season didn't have the non-conference right so you have that to look at it lengthens the year you get your full 12 games in or presumably you do 
So there has to be staying power. And we saw how the Tigers really struggled with COVID numbers, with injury, with availability at the end of the season. I mean, they went up against Mississippi State and absolutely got stomped in that final regular season game. So I would say that the good thing to shoot for still at this stage for the program is SEC 500 record and win more non-cons than you lose. Uh, Should probably be better than a 500 team. Should probably aim to be bowling at the end of the season. Um, But if if you can put together another year where you've gone 50-50 or better in the league and you found yourself on the winning side of your non-conference games, you've probably done enough to build the foundation for what could be in a future season. Now, I'm not going to say that's the limit, the upper bound of what they can do, but I think it's a reasonable expectation to say you fought and were competitive in all your league games, you were able to take away half of them in a very difficult league, and you took care of business in your non-cons. I don't think that that's the year-to-year standard, and that's not what they're building towards, but I wouldn't go out on a limb and say, oh, yeah, Mizzou's got to contend for the SEC East this season because we just don't have enough evidence to suggest that that's something that's quite attainable yet. Maybe after four or five weeks of the season, we will have that evidence. But I think it's too early to say we'd have it now to put that on the table for them. Yeah, and I mean, you you look at Mizzou's schedule makeup year by year. You want to try and take the games uh, against the teams that are below you. And with Mizzou finishing where it did, you would hope that you are able to follow up Uh, last year's success with wins once again against the teams like Kentucky, uh, like Vanderbilt, like South Carolina. You really like to flip that Tennessee game back into your favor. And then I think that sets you – that's four wins right there already. You don't even – even if you take away uh, a chance to win uh, games against Florida or Georgia, if you split your uh, games against the other side – uh, of the SEC and the other division, and, and Mizzou will have uh, a tough test with Texas A&M as the draw as one of those teams along with Arkansas. Even if you split those games, that's a 5-3 and three SEC record, and I think that's nothing to be ashamed of for Eli Drinkwitz in his second season after a 5-5 five and five, uh, season last year where Alabama and LSU gets added to the schedule last minute. So uh, it, as Matt said, if you're able to go ahead and take most of your non-conference games, Get to I, I think a 5-3 and three record is, is very attainable for this group next year if they are able to take the steps forward and they can take advantage of the fact that they'll have uh, hopefully a full roster by the time the season is closing up. And, and certainly that was not the case uh, at around uh, December when they were you know trying to find guys to play safety. And all of a sudden they had to put uh, Sean Robinson back there and that ended up working out and he's going to stay there. So I think if they're, if they're set up uh, – for a better situation this year, they get through a full uh, complement of spring practices. They'll get a chance to work it back towards the fall and uh, be able to set themselves up, uh, especially with that non-conference schedule back on there to try and get some of those uh, games against opponents that you really can beat. Uh, I think that can uh, provide some nice momentum for uh, Eli Drinkwitz and his group, uh, and we'll see if they can reach up and upset somebody. But I think, uh, and at least... Seven and five record is something that you would at least hope for. All right, I'm going to try and take the opportunity because I'm talking to both of you to play a a tiny bit of a rapid fire round here, and just we'll see how it goes. To kind of all right, first question: pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Man, waffles for me too. But it could change tomorrow. I mean, it's nothing against pancakes either. I mean. Yeah, my my theory has always been pancake waffles are kind of the same, but you have like little syrup catchers 
like the kind of hole of the syrup with waffles, so I take waffles. Uh, Skittles. Yeah, the, are, the structure is better. Yeah. yeah. Skittles or M and M's. M and M's. M and M's. Yeah, M and M's. DC or Marvel? Oh, Marvel. Marvel now because they just put themselves into every tendril of your life. You know, I was never a comic book guy, but now I've like watched almost all the Marvel movies with my girlfriend. Now it's a part of like I understand the backstories of this and I can stay conversant. They found a way in way more than DC did. So uh sorry Batman. Yeah, and the DC movies have just driven that a little further into the ground. So maybe uh 15 years ago you could have said DC and I would have agreed with you, but after seeing all those movies and how they've just tanked it. Oh, no. Also, Batman definitely, Superman no. Superman cheats. Yeah. Fair enough. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Dogs. Yeah, I don't know if we could have continued this podcast if uh, you had said cats. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I guess one final one for you, but this is more of a, you know, uh, more of a, not a direct comparison, but Kansas City barbecue or the field? Oh. Now, Eric, I am. I can't ask you, you know, Kansas City versus any other city, because I know that answer for probably both of you. But, but Austin, Memphis, even St. Louis, Carolinas, you know, what do you take? Well, Eric, I should disclose that I am from the state of Texas where we take a lot of pride in that barbecue as well. And, and I'll say this. I have had both Kansas City barbecue. I have, of course, grown up with Texas barbecue. Uh, the thing that I uh, mostly gravitate towards when it comes to uh, evaluating a barbecue place or a barbecue city is how good is the brisket. And, and it is very unfair sometimes uh, for some of these uh, cities that maybe don't uh, pride themselves on making great brisket, and that's fine, and that's great. Maybe you're a pulled pork guy. I, I don't, uh, I don't uh, have any sort of qualms with that. But the reason why I love Texas barbecue so much is because uh, the brisket is always top-notch. It doesn't matter where you go. And uh, that is why I will say the field and then duck and cover. Yeah, I I knew that was going to happen. Um, Kansas City, because it took everything that was good from everywhere else and said, let's do all of that. KC, man, for the win. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I end up, too, because I, I think you guys know this about me, but I lived in Texas before I took the Mizzou job. And so I've, I've lived in both states, and what I usually say to people is, if you're looking for the best city of barbecue, it's Kansas City, but the best state is Texas. And just, it's, I, it's, I can agree with that sentiment. I, I, I like yeah. that uh, approach to it. Yeah, because, I mean, I've had Coopers, I've had Terry Blacks, Franklin, and Austin. They are amazing, but, I mean, just the depth you have in Kansas City where – you could probably throw a dart at the random city of the map and be within a mile of an amazing barbecue place. Not sure you can really do that in too many other cities. But with that said, uh, that was Matt Michaels and Andy Humphrey of KTGR's Big Show. Thank you guys for joining me this, uh, on this week's podcast. Where can everybody find you online and listen to the show in other weeks? KTGR.com is where you can listen to everything on KTGR online except for the things that, you know, the pro sports teams don't let us put on their live games all the time. But if you want to listen to us when we're on uh, KTGR.com on the big show from 4 to 6 in the afternoon, I am at KTGR Matt on the tweets, and he is at Andy R. Humphrey. So you can find us. We're not too hard. We, we don't duck the public all that often, or at least Andy doesn't duck the public all that often. Hey, I, I wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wear it when I need to.
<laughs> well, I, I don't think we can find a better ending place than that. It's been, this has been a blast, guys. Thanks so much for joining me, and uh, I'll definitely be uh, chatting with you guys soon. Thanks so much. Absolutely, Eric. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Eric. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Columbia Daily Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create the perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Follow Mizzou football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at ColumbiaTribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now, back to the show. Thank you once again to Andy and Matt for joining us in this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Definitely always an awesome time talking with them every you know every so often on the KTGR Big Show. And you just heard New Edition's Candy Girl. I know Langston actually knows that band. I know, I know it's a little bit of a throwback that you know Langston didn't know many of the songs we did before. You know uh, when I it was uh, we did Steely Dan before we did uh, I don't remember it was SEC themed bands coming. In. We did Born on the Bayou by Creedence Clearwater Revival, but you know New Edition, right? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, a favorite of my mom. She will uh, definitely text me about this when she listens to the pod. Something I, I grew up listening to in the car, and, and I loved it to hear it here in the studio. What's your mom's name? Juanika Newsom. <laughs> well, you you just gave her a big shout out on, on, on the podcast. Yeah, they definitely. My, my parents definitely listen to. Definitely shout out to my dad Bruce who listens to every episode. Now going back into the basketball talk, we were kind of talking about the freshmen going in into the break. Now let me ask you this: uh, Who's is there one freshman you have your eye on? I know that of the guys coming in, you know, not a whole lot is known about them. But is there one freshman you kind of I'm like, okay, he can play beyond his years, kind of coming right into Columbia. I it, no, I'm going to use the cop out. I saw Anton Brookshire last year before the um, the state uh, basketball playoffs were canceled due to COVID uh, against Rockbridge, and I believe it was an Elite Eight matchup. And what I saw from Anton and what really got me excited, because this is before he verbally committed to Missouri, was just his ability for, I believe, the first quarter of that game, Rockbridge was up maybe 15 or 17 points. I had gone into that knowing that he was recruited heavily by Conzo Martin, and he played terribly. Um, then you go into the second second quarter and really the second half, took over that game. I believe he ended up with almost 30 points. And and really just seeing him flip that switch, he carried himself like a Division One player in that game. He knew he was the best player on the floor. He went out and missed like four or five threes there in the fourth quarter. Didn't bother him at all. So I'm excited to see how that translates because he obviously went out and had a great senior campaign this year. So just knowing from someone that I've seen up close and personal, I, Anton really kind of blew me away. And it, it really kind of gave me a little bit of excitement to to see oh this is a D- division one player that actually handles himself like that yeah and it was interesting because 
it was two years ago when Anton was a sophomore that I covered that same match. It ended up being Kickapoo versus Rockbridge when Rockbridge won a state title uh, in 2019. I think that both those games were on Bolivar for both of us. That yep. was the Elite Eight. Um, and I remember seeing him back then when Kanz was – I think it already offered him back in 2019 at that point, but it wasn't m- – not much buzz there. And I remember you texted me after that first quarter. I still remember this because it was, you know, the last games we covered in person for the Tribune before COVID shut down. You texted me, I don't, Conzo offered this guy? How, how does he fit into what they do? And then you texted me about 15 minutes later. Okay, I get it. Never mind. Oh, yeah, he, he fits. <laughs> and and he's just, that's just the type of kid he is. That was kind of the one or two picks that I expected you uh, to say. The other one we mentioned earlier, Yaya Keita, just because he's almost going to have to play. You know, that's that's one that, you know, comes from a former Conzo assistant at Missouri State, is now coaching DeSmet. I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, but you you look at just, you know, those type of talents. He's coming off an ACL injury, but, you know, I think Yaya's got a shot. You know, the other three guys coming in. Sean Dubergordon, I think, has a shot to play because he's been here, was, was studied under this team and got to know this year's team. Uh, and, he, and, he, and I think he was the highest-rated prospect of the five coming in. Um, it was either him or Brookshire. Uh, you got Caleb Brown, who wasn't really rated all that high, but is Kobe Brown's brother. Conzo obviously likes that family, and you know went to it again. And if he plays like Kobe, he's gonna get he's gonna get minutes guaranteed. And then you have uh, Trevon Brazil, uh, Anton's teammate, who you probably actually saw in that actually didn't see in that game because he transferred to Kickapoo from Parkview uh, in, in the Springfield area, I believe, over the summer, uh, and. This is a good freshman class for Conzo, but just not too much is known about him outside of, you know, Brookshire. And I think Brookshire has got to be the pick um, if it's not Keita, just because of just how his game translates to Missouri. At the end of the day, Brookshire is going to be someone who either comes in right away, kind of like Mama Dembele did on the women's team and starts from day one or gets buried on the bench. Like, I don't really see that much of an in-between for a point guard who's, who's in a dynamic score like him. Either you, you, that's a guy you play a lot or you essentially say to him, you're a project, you got to wait your turn and we'll go to somebody else and Boogie Coleman's going to run the point next year. I'm so happy you brought that up because I remember in that conversation about a year ago, I remember texting you thinking, he kind of reminds me of Mario McKinney of St. Louis uh, out of that area. Uh, kind of an undersized point guard, obviously. Um Mario's a little bit smaller, but it's scoring first from what I saw in that one game. And then obviously Mario ended up transferring. But it, it will be interesting to see Conzo, especially what happened down the stretch with Xavier Pinson, another point guard highly you know, touted in this area, who really kind of saw his minutes diminish um, in the later half of the season and, and didn't play really that much in the uh, last half of the March Madness game. So it's going to be interesting to watch another in-state kid how is that relationship going to form with uh, Coach Martin, and how much playing time is he really going to get right along? Pinson wasn't an in-state kid. He was from Chicago. Chicago. Area. Talking about Mario, sorry. Right, right. But, and, and Mario, I think kind of what happened, he played a point guard in high school. You're correct at Fashan. Uh, and, but Mario projected more so as a two or maybe even a three in Gonzo's system because he had Pinson and Drew Smith. And so now that you lose all three of your point guards from last season, that's was kind of a need, both of the bookends, because, I mean, you always need point guards, you always need centers in, in basketball, just like you need good pitching in baseball. You know, it's kind of the same thing. But Missouri, those have just happened to be where their, you know, their needs happen to be, and they're bringing in guys who are either inexperienced or not on the roster next year in a lot of those spots because, you know, unless you're riding with Jordan Wilmore, you know, that guy's not there because Javon is very much a three-in-conzo system and plays on the wing, and I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves for what he does because a lot of Javon's game doesn't relate to the stat sheet 
But Kobe Brown is absolutely going to be an integral part of this team next year, no doubt about it. And hopefully we can, you know, dive a little bit more into his story. And, you know, just one thing I know about him, I think he was actually born January 1st, uh, <laughs> 2000. I, I think that one of the few people in the world who uh, their mother went into labor um, in one millennium and finished giving a baby in another. Uh, but, you know, going forward, I think that, you know, we've talked a lot about men's basketball, but I want to end on this question for you is that now where do you see the next six months going? I mean, we, we can speculate, but like, what do you need to see from the program between now and the start of the season? Is it something they schedule? Is it who they bring in? Is it a contract extension for Conzo? What is the trajectory of this program until they actually start playing games again? We talked about it for really weeks heading into uh, the NCAA tournament. It seems like everything is in line for Conzo to get an extension. Obviously, the season didn't end the way that I think a lot of people did with the heights that Missouri did have, reaching, you know, uh, being in the top 25, having those top 10 victories, especially the one over Illinois earlier in the season. But it seems to be everything is in line with Coach Martin getting an extension. And I wonder if that's actually going to happen or if they're going to wait another year and see can he flip this roster around because there is so much upheaval. And so I think that's the bigger question more than you know if they add another piece um, in the transfer market or if you know another kid would enter the transfer portal it's really is missouri going to invest and lock up martin long term and really show that he is the future of this program well if you remember back to february i think 23rd jim stirk said as much that they were ready to lock him up and konzo has said that this is his final job you know if all that language you know comes out to konzo getting a minor extension or what does it look? What exactly does that, you know, word of confidence look like for him? And I think that saying nothing between now and September, now and September, can't happen. It needs to be some sort of Conzo's our guy, even if it's not a contact extension, you know, whatever it may be. I think that that is needed, and you know, whatever perception is reality, Conzo's not is going to be the head coach of this team. Should he want to be at least for the next two years? You need, I think, Kim Anderson bad the next two years, and Conzo's gone. Other than that. I think into three or four, the you know was given his chance, and I think that kind of three years is right at that apex. If it's not up to expectations, even if they're not bad, is kind of where you know the direct future of this group that's bringing in and whatever happens the next couple of years is going to you know affect. Because you look at some of the kids that are coming up in St. Louis and Kansas City, if Missouri can lock down the borders recruiting wise, the next two recruiting classes, I'm not saying they can make a run in March, but they have recruit wise all the talent to do that you know i think there's two five stars coming out of kansas city in the next two years and one coming out of st louis i mean there's going to be blue bloods are going to come in and hound those kids like you when you lost a caleb love and a cameron fletcher and a josh christopher in that important recruiting class going into 2021 or sorry that would have been the uh that would have been the 2020 recruiting class excuse me you know that's that type of pressure is going to be on Conzo again very soon. And I know they've been in early with a kid named Aiden Shaw from the Kansas City area. I think he goes to Blue Valley Northwest. A guy named Mark Mitchell. You start to hear those names, and I think that how much you secure those guys is going to be really big. Or if you don't, who is your backup? And that'll kind of be the I think a lot of the kids along with who's going to be on this year's roster that determine a lot of Conzo's legacy. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. Uh, I almost started laughing when you started that because it's the same thing, the same task that Coach Drinkwitz was came in here to do: lock up the kids in, in in St. Louis and make sure that the kids in Kansas City as well 
want to stay here in Missouri. And I think that's going to be a little bit more difficult basketball-wise, especially when you have Kansas literally right across the border and they just, you know, gave Bill Self that lifetime extension. But, you know, what does that even mean? In my opinion, I I felt like he was going to have that job until he didn't want it anyway. Um, So it really just seems to be ceremonious at at this point with that. But it's going to be more difficult to lock up those kids. And when you look at... Uh, St. Louis, just as a whole, when you look at the top tier talent, you know, a Bradley Beal going back or a Jason Tatum going back, the Blue Bloods came in and got those kids. And it and it would be a remarkable turnaround if Coach Martin can, you know, within the span of, you know, five, six years, get the Porters and then continue to get the five-star talent that is homegrown here in Missouri. Right. And and, and that's what the thing is. You know, you're not going to get that those kids from Columbia very often. And, and it's looking like, you know, those big prospects of the last couple of years, the Isaiah Mosley went to Missouri State, Dewan Harris is now at Kansas, uh, Jamonte Black at Missouri State, and you know that next group of kids, you know, where is it? You know, since Jimmy Witt who went to Arkansas, you know, every couple of years they seem to sprout up. Is Missouri going to wait for the next boom, or we don't know? But it, that's a little bit more of a long game where Missouri needs to go to those metropolitan areas. And you didn't mention Caleb Love, you didn't mention Courtney Ramey. I mean, and there's a few others that are out there, too, of that vein. You know, even in the 20 class, Davion Bradford or Ryan Kalkbrenner, they didn't come here. You know, not that Conzo had other people in mind, but, you know, I think locking down St. Louis is going to be a big, big thing for him, especially coming into the next couple years. And I like that you made the Coach Drinkwitz reference because remember what the talk was like a year ago this time about Drinkwitz? He's never built a roster himself. You know, he's only been a head coach for for a year. He's never done anything in the SEC outside of being a GA. You know, that was the talk. And then how much of that do you hear now? You hear none of it. And so winning cures everything. And not that 5-5 five and five was, you know, amazing for Missouri football, but they were essentially catching Tennessee at a good week and essentially having a depleted roster away from being 7-3 and three with that SEC schedule. You know, winning, you know, being over two-thirds winning in an SEC schedule in the first year is pretty, pretty dang good. I know that we were talking a little while about how it was down to basically – Saban, Mullen, and Drinkwitz for SEC Coach of the Year and ended up, I think, going to Dan Mullen. But I think that, you know, it shows that it can happen here. And, you know, it just will, it, it's to be determined whether, you know, Conza will be a Norm Stewart type of guy or, you know, whether he'll fall a little short of that. But we'll see. I think that's a great point you talk about. We were talking about, you know, Coach Drinkwitz being in the running for SEC Coach of the Year. We had this same conversation about Conzo uh, Martin midway through the SEC. We did. We uh, did. SEC play and heading, I believe, was heading in right into the Alabama game. We were trying to de- determine if Nate Oates was going to uh, was going to win or if it was going to be Council Martin, depending on the outcome of that game, depending on the ending to the SEC season. So it's kind of crazy to see just how quickly things have changed or the perception. I don't think things have actually changed, but the perception of the Missouri program has changed since that time, which I believe was about a month and a half ago to where we are now. Well, the, the Alabama game, I think, was February 6th because it was the Saturday before rally for Ryan, which was February 13th. So, yes, you are correct on that uh you know bat- college basketball is now over uh no, neither links nor i picked the champion correctly I ended up being baylor I, I, and i but i did call gonzaga losing in the title game which i thought was coming but you know i still picked illinois to win who lost in the round of 32 um now going into next year a lot of you know it seems like alabama is going to be picking up right where they left off a lot of trends have tennessee and kentucky you know kind of towards the top of the league where missouri might be kind of 10 11 again you know i mean i don't think much is expected of south carolina a&M or, you know, 
a, lot, a couple schools like that, but you know, Missouri's going to be right back kind of where they were at the beginning of this year, and that worked out pretty well for them, so we'll see. And, you know, I would just want to point out one thing. Uh, right after Xavier Pinson announced that he was going to the transfer portal, you were 100% correct in, in saying that you thought he was going to stay in the SEC, that he was the type of guy that wanted to play Missouri again. He released his Final Four, three of them being SEC schools. And so that's going to be a, a storyline going into this next year. I can already tell you, I believe the only non-SEC school he had in there was Nebraska. Correct. That's not happening. Correct. I believe it was Auburn was one, Arkansas was another, and I'm blanking on the third, and Georgia. It is going to be, that is going to be a storyline going into next season. And if you look at the pedigree of those programs, it's essentially down to Auburn and Arkansas, let's be real. Yeah. Uh, Except for Arkansas just signed a point guard, so maybe this is going to be with Auburn, with Sharif Cooper going to the NBA. Uh, So, you know, and, you know, it's already happened with the uh, the ACC and a couple other non-Power 5 you know, conferences where they're going to just going to get rid of the one year, you know, interconference, you know, transfers. And I, I, I'm not sure I'm a fan of it, but it makes sense that, you know, kids could should be able to go wherever they want. If, if Chris Beard can go from Texas Tech to Tech or sorry, from Texas Tech to Texas. Texas is back. Let's let's go ahead and put it out there. Yeah, Texas they, is back. They lost to Abilene Christian like three weeks ago. And their coach <laughs> went to Marquette. Yeah, the boosters at Texas are, are back. Not, not necessarily Texas. Uh, but, you know, I. I the kids should be able to go wherever they want. But you have a kid like Pinson who is guaranteed because of Missouri's schedule. All three of those schools are coming to – are just, just with how the schedule falls are coming to are coming to Missouri Arena next next year. So Pinson, should he choose an SC school, will be playing against Mizzou, you know, next early winter or – sorry, late winter, early spring. So that's just how it works. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have some more fun basketball things to talk about going forward. You know, just it's kind of a, you know, all speculative part of the year of the podcast. You know, we don't have legitimate, you know, it kind of what's considered in season until July here for a revenue sport. So we'll, we'll kind of, you know, be breaking it down, everything that happens. And hopefully it's a little more slow than the absolute sprint we were on since, you know, early August to a couple weeks ago. It seems like college basketball is trying its best with the transfer portal to become like the NBA, which is a 12 month sport. Um, when it just comes to free agency, trade demands from prominent players. So I'm really interested to see how things kind of unfoil over the next few months. But it is clear that college basketball news is here to stay. And I guess that's a good thing. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go? Uh, no, I think that's it. And uh, I'm happy to see that all Missourians will be able to get the vaccine on Friday. So yes. if you haven't made your appointment and you would like to get a vaccine, please reach out. Uh, check out the ColumbiaTribune.com for you know more ways to sign up and, and different uh, vaccination uh, opportunities here in Boone County. For sure. And if anybody's wondering, I don't know if we actually addressed this, but uh, the reason we chose New Edition is because I didn't learn until today that Bell, Biv, and DeVoe were members of New Edition along with Bobby Brown. I, I just thought they were random people. I didn't know that they were, they were connected at all. My bad. You know, it, it's funny you you bring that up. You said all those names. And I was like, I had no idea who was a New Edition. I was probably, <laughs> I was like 10 or 11 when my mom was playing that in the car. So I, I just knew they were a boy band. There we go. <laughs> All right, for Lex News, I've been Eric Blum. Thank you for listening to this week's Busy Sports Podcast, and hopefully we start a new edition podcast. I don't, I don't think so. But, uh, all right, thank you guys for listening this week, and we'll talk to you next time.